I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ, up there in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, it's Titus and Tate Superstar, so that's by Will, <laughs> Mr. Will Warren. Will, good evening, sir. How are you? Uh, doing pretty well. There, You will not be able to confirm or deny the rumor that is out there that I sent Mark Titus, a picture of the uh, scoreboard from this year's Michigan-Ohio State football game. Um, you you will not be able to confirm or deny that that happened. Man. But in terms of what I, the reason that you were brought up on a very good show, Titus and Tate on Fox, um, Fox Hoops, is that we were texting um, over the weekend because Tennessee played a very uh, – horrific uh basketball game in brooklyn again and uh shout out to texas tech uh, a year prior to uh what happened this year um with maryland um you have a theory it's uh a big theory i think we have to start here will it's something you pointed out um there's a different kind of basketball that tennessee uses in brooklyn and it's not a basketball that they will use at any point the rest of the season what is your conspiracy theory will warn on this basketball in Tennessee. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory anymore, to be honest. I mean, mm. so we did the research for this piece. It's at statsbyworld.substack.com. Mm. And, you know, what's really cool about having the Synergy Sports subscription I've got um, is that you can filter jump shots, not just like threes, but also two-point jumpers, free throws, etc. And we've got 25 games of data where we know that the Spalding Legacy TF-1000 has been used this season. Mm -hmm. Shooting in those games is down by 4% across the board, and it's not due to any one arena or any one backdrop or any one background. That is the only constant in these 25 games. And I think it is. it may not be a bad ball. I have played with this ball before. Mm. Uh, great for ball handlers. In my experience, not very good for shooting. It feels like an outdoor ball. It's very grippy. Mm. Uh, the way it always, I don't know. Have you ever played on a gym with like kind of a dead floor and it's, you feel like you've got to really pump up the ball and then you shoot the ball and the ball comes off the rim at 500 miles an hour. Yeah. That's what playing with the TF 1000 is like. It feels very flat when Mm. you dribble. And then when you shoot, it's like you're shooting it out of a cannon. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that if you played with this ball all season, you would just get used to it, right? Like the NBA used Spalding for a very long time. Mm. A lot of international basketball leagues use Spalding as well. Nobody in college basketball uses Spalding anymore. 
mm-hmm. teams largely as you know like Wilson or Nike or Adidas or uh, very rarely Under Armour now. I don't think mm-hmm. like they're much in the game anymore. Uh, but you're you're basically asking players to play with this ball that they're not going to use before, they're not going to use after, and teams, especially at the higher levels of basketball, like for example, I can tell you because it has been confirmed by people <laughs> at Tennessee. Tennessee buys Wilson, Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour balls Hmm. for use during the season because, so for example, like if Arizona this weekend was an Adidas school, Tennessee would bring up the Adidas balls out of the back and use those to practice with, to get used to the feel and how they bounce. Hmm. Everybody at the higher levels of basketball does that. I don't know as much about like, you you always think about like the SWAC teams or the Northeast Conference. I don't know if they can afford to do that, but I know... Teams like Tennessee, big programs can do that. They do not own Spalding basketballs because, except for these two tournaments, I don't have proof that Tennessee's used these basketballs in any other game in the last five years. Hmm. And I don't have proof that any team has used this ball full-time since Pitt in 2017. So, so why, why don't we get a couple it? balls, though? Why, If you know you're going to Brooklyn year over year, why don't you get enough just to practice during the week? for? Because it's, an, it's a huge expense on one thing. Mm. You, if, you were, if you were to play, honestly, if you were to even play like Maui and they were using Spalding, which they don't, they use Nike, mm. you would buy a few of those in practice. But when it's a literal one-off thing, yeah. and I mean, I, the players last year complained that the balls were very overinflated. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the way the balls bounced on Sunday, I feel like that has some you know actual validity to it. The way like some of Maryland's shots came off the rim just did not line up with what I've seen at any other college gym before. Tennessee got unlucky on some free throws. It's one of those games where you almost can't take the result seriously either way. Like I don't really put much shock into Tennessee winning, and I wouldn't have put anything to Maryland winning because this is just not replicable anywhere else in the game. Hmm. So, I mean, good for Tennessee to get that win. Great for Maryland to make the comeback, by the way. I mean, mm. to, I mean, I, I honestly, they were obviously do some shooting regression after going, whatever it was, two for 20 in the first half. They pulled like the old Applebee's. Yeah. But, um, or whatever it is, two for 22 now. Yeah, something but, crazy um, like Yeah, they, uh, I mean, they were due for some shooting regression, but like good on them for, you know, I th- and I texted you this during the game. It felt like me to me like Tennessee had an unfair advantage for the first half because they knew this ball sucked <laughs> and they knew shooting with that backdrop with that ball sucked. So they mm. didn't take jumpers at all the first half. They barely took a jumper. And that kind of stayed in regards to the second half, but Maryland stopped shooting jumpers for the most part until desperation time as well. I mean, uh, they have to stop. The, I understand money is money and this is always going to exist. But one, if you're Tennessee, you cannot agree to this anymore. You cannot agree to going to these sites where you're going to have to use a ball that sucks, that no one likes, everybody complains about. And if you're Maryland, you should stop agreeing to it as well. Bring your own Under Armour balls. You're the Under Armour school, aren't you? Um, are we booked for this tournament next year? Now. I do not think Tennessee is going back to New York next year. I think that okay. they have blissfully ruled this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, let's be real. Unless this is like an arena where you're afforded a lot of time to prep Mm. and it's not an NBA arena with a backdrop, literally unlike anything else you will see all season, minus like maybe a really underattended conference tournament, stop using this ball. (laughs) We have proof. Um, 
something else we have proof of. Houston's beatable. Stats by Will. Mm-hmm. They're beatable. We were texting about this game also on Saturday afternoon. It was a great game. Hope a lot of people were checking in on this one in between Army Navy, which was another great game uh, for different reasons. But um, this was this was fascinating. Um, it was another big second half comeback by Alabama, a young Alabama team uh, with a lot of important freshmen and sophomores in this group for Nate Oates' team. They made history uh, this year by beating two uh, num- preseason or two number one teams at the time. Uh, I knew you were going to do that. I knew when I brought this. One of those teams is not a number one. That is the, (laughs) we need to stop bringing that setup. It's cool. I mean, good for them. Mm -hmm. But North Carolina was never at any point the best team in America. But go on. Yeah, but they could still say they were ranked number one when they beat them. And they've done it twice. Well, Tennessee can say they beat a ranked Pittsburgh in football. That's true. People do. I mean, that still counts when you do end of season. Like how many ranked wins Tennessee has. You include Pitt in that conversation because they were ranked when we played them. Yeah, even yeah, though they okay. ended up like six and six or whatever. Uh, hold on, I think they were like eight and four. I think they got it their act together down. They, the they felt six and six. Yeah, felt like COVID. I, and and each time I tuned in, it was like, <laughs> oh god, these guys are losing to Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> any, anyway, uh, my question to you, Will: There's some injuries at Arkansas. Shooting still kind of eh, with Tennessee best events i think in the conference but still some shooting stuff josiah jordan james who i'm still very worried about um and we'll see what the injury i told you well where i'm like at what point do we go is triple j like is this just going to be a thing all year long because if it is you know like there are certain guys in this tennessee rotation we're like if plavsich misses a game you don't really notice for Mm -hmm. the full game you notice when triple j is not there at the top of the key like you notice in a lot of half court sets you're like oh this is this is not the, not the ideal situation. If come March, like this cannot be a, a scenario where they do not have Josiah Jordan James in their closing five in an important March game. But um, Bama, I think at least has a case that they are right now the best. They're playing the best of anyone in the SEC. Would you agree with that? No. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm frankly getting a little sick of people overreacting <laughs> to one game sample sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great, great for them that they ended up beating, um, you know, probably, honestly, probably future one seed Houston. I think we can still, like, yeah. uh, I still feel fine about Houston. I think they're one of, at minimum, the five best teams in basketball. They may be number one. I've got a theory on that later. Um, but I, I will, I will cave to this. Mm-hmm. I think it's becoming more likely that it's a Tennessee Alabama race for the regular season title in the SEC. The SEC tournament has it's kind of become a little higher variance over the last few years. Like I, I know Kentucky won it the one year where Tennessee was the top remaining seed, but they were the five seed in the conference mm. that year. I mean, it, it's pretty. It started to become a little more up in the air who wins the SEC tournament. So if you can get the regular season title, you've clearly done something right, especially uh, in a conference with as good of a top five as the SEC has. I, I think pound for pound, the SEC's top five is as good as the Big Twelve. Once you get to like six and further on, but um, I I think this is just less impactful than everyone else seems to think it is. I mean, Mm. this is a great win for Alabama, don't get me wrong. Beating Houston on the road, and what I think we've forgotten is sweeping Houston because they beat Houston last year. True. Tremendous result for that program. That's great. Um, But this is, you know, this is the same team that almost lost to Memphis at home three days later. Memphis really could have won that game if they had found any shooting whatsoever. 
needed four overtimes to beat what is starting to look like kind of a mid-North Carolina team. Uh, really struggled against Michigan State. Really struggled against South Alabama. Got blown out by UConn. And UConn's really good, right? But, I mean, one game does not make a top four team. But one loss doesn't make a you know top 40 team. So I still think, like... This is going to be a really tight race. Alabama is going to be in the conversation with Tennessee, with Kentucky. Uh, I'm starting to worry that I don't think Arkansas or Auburn are up to the task yeah. um, in that regard. So it could end up being a three-team race. I think Kentucky doesn't look great right now, but they're Kentucky. It's just like until I'm given a reason not to trust, I'm going to trust that they'll be in it at the end. Um but again, it was, it's a one-game sample size. If Houston, who has shot 71% on free throws this year, doesn't miss half their free throws, different basketball game. That I mean, it would have been a coin flip game at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Alabama's very good. I think they're a top-10 team. Questionably, like could be top five, but still holding out on that. And every like every team this year has got a flaw, right? Mm-hmm. And Houston's, as it exists, is that they simply aren't very good at shooting. I mean... They've yet to have a defensive game where I've been like, there's an issue. But mm. whereas Tennessee, to draw a comparison, because I kind of think that's obvious in terms of like how nasty some of the games can be, Tennessee's got multiple like proven shooters. Like Vescovy's a proven shooter. Tyreek Key, Josiah Jordan-James. Julian Phillips shot 38% from three in high school. I think mm. that's still coming around. And then so on and so forth. The only obvious good shooter with a track record Houston has is Marcus Sasser. And he's yeah. shooting 31% from deep right now. Uh, I would not be surprised if their current hit rate of 33% held the entire season. And hmm. that's just not, I mean, that's below average. That's not good. So they might still be the best team by years in. Arsenault could, you know, improve that a little bit. Like maybe Jairus Walker is a better shooter than I think. But they've got to find shooting to help on nights like the Alabama game where you are playing an elite team that generates a lot of shots that you're normally willing to give up, catch and shoot threes. Um, and can, you know, go pound for pound with you down low. I mean, Alabama is just as physical as Houston was in that game. Uh, I rem- I retain my call that strength and conditioning coordinators should be interviewed in postgame after wins like that. Hmm. I want to hear from Alabama's strength and conditioning guy because some of those guys have really leveled up year over year. They look uh, very bulked up. And Houston, every single year, looks like they've gone through that, uh, just like the training program of a lifetime. So, I don't know. That that was a fun game, right? It, wasn't it was the fun. prettiest, but it was fun. And it was a good, like, it just had a strong marked feel. Like, it was mm-hmm. very, very intense. Like Felt, the, felt very Elite Eight. Yeah, sweet and also, game. we don't see that at Houston ever. Like, Houston's been a great yeah. program for years now, and um, uh, well, uh, Kelvin Sampson's done a great job there. But they haven't had those big regular season non-conference matchups at Houston, yeah. really. But, I mean, again, I'd like to reiterate my call of, like, let's hold out. Let's see what happens the rest of the way. I mean, just last year, can I name a team for you in the SEC that started 10-0 and and was ranked 8th by the metrics? Ooh, hold on. Let me guess. And where did they finish? They finished uh, 21st. Or there. Mm-hmm. I think it was something like that. Let me make, Let me get you an exact number. Okay, I'm thinking. They fit, Florida? Yeah, first. Wow. I'm proud of myself. Florida? LSU. LSU. Mm. LSU had more or less the exact same start last year where they were very impressive, 10-0, and yeah. 0, were blowing out opponents left and right, had a couple of huge wins, 
And then I know like Will Wade is not as good as Nate Oates, but it's a long season. A lot yeah. of things can happen from here. For sure. Um, your team, Mr. Purdue Boilermaker, Will Warren, <laughs> that's uh, many people forget that that is Will's uh, team of uh, 2022. Um, if given a choice between them and Indiana, I would probably root for Purdue in most circumstances. I, Purdue, I think so. Purdue is honestly very charming. Well, Zach Eady is probably going to win player of the year uh, based on where he is, uh, <laughs> what, just the kind of play he has to this point. Like He just feels like he is the favorite at this point in mid-December. A lot can change, but it, I this Purdue team, I think the offense isn't going anywhere. They're second in adjusted offense in, per Kempom, 10-0 to this point. Um, but the difference, though, and maybe why I think a lot more people are buying into Purdue a little bit more this year is two things, right? It's Eady, obviously. But also, their guard play, where people were concerned. It's like, uh, what's the drop-off going to be like without Jaden Ivey? And it's like, no, it's fine. Uh, the guard play is fine. And the other part is they're 28th in defense. This is, <laughs> we've yeah. always been wondering about like, man, the offense is always going to be there for Painter's squads, but like the defense is just never going to be enough to win uh, a string of important March games. But now, the defense looks a little bit better. And you're like, okay, if you're number two in offense come march and this team is around 25 to 30 defensively i i i'm starting to buy a little bit more but then you also go back and you're like wait big 10 running the gauntlet in the in march that's not a thing that happens that's not what the big 10 does <laughs> why are we betting on the big 10 in march that's not what you should ever do um i don't know make the case uh for purdue being the best team in college basketball right now well well i uh, i'll rain on your parade here a little oh, bit oh no Can neutral side they get uconn do you think they're favored well, let me do this first. Can I give you a team that mm -hmm. entered last March ranked third in the country with the number four offense and the number 25 defense, very similar to Purdue? You got to give me a conference. SEC. Mm. Uh, Kentucky? It was Kentucky. Uh, please remind me of how they performed in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah, well. Not well. No, I'm. it's not the same situation. My opinion here, I'm not really sure that there is a best team. Mm. Um. Purdue's got a strong case. Purdue for sure has the best resume in college basketball like by miles right now. I don't I couldn't name a solid number two at this point. Maybe UConn. Mm. But I mean the again, fifth in Ken Palm, fifth in, you know, this year only efficiency. They've been pretty lucky in close games too. Uh, you know, teams are shooting an abnormally low three point percentage against them, twenty five percent, despite there not being like some obvious great perimeter defenders on the team. I think that's going to regress a little bit for them. Uh, but the, I mean, I think they're really good. Zach Eady is obviously the player of the year. It would take a heroic effort by like Jalen Wilson, I think might be able to get there. Hmm. I guess Sheboy could always be in contention, but the problem is like Edie just feels like better Sheboy. So I don't feel like he's yeah. going to get the votes. So, I mean, you don't want to call it locked up on December 15th, but Edie is pretty darn close to as long as he's just like, this or 90% of this the rest of the way locking up player of the year. And anytime you got the player of the year, you got a real shot. So I think that they're one of the five best teams in the country. I like Purdue. I like UConn. But the problem is I also like Houston, UT, UCLA, Alabama, Kansas, etc. I mean, like those seven teams, any of those seven are capable of looking like the best team in America on the right night. But the problem is that all seven are beatable. I, I would be kind of surprised if anybody makes it beyond a month from now, January 15th, unbeaten. 
I did put a story about that on the blog this week. I think Purdue could lose one. Purdue, like the Big Ten schedule is going to be tough as usual. Uh, UConn's got some tricky ones in there. Um, you know, the SEC is the SEC. Houston's probably going to have a really impressive win loss because the AAC is kind of eh, this year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not going to denigrate the fact that they're really good. So. Purdue is going to be in that discussion basically all year long as I think one of the five to seven best. And that's about all you can really hope for this year unless that defense really does become a legit top 20 unit. Hmm. I, I am in on the Big Ten this year, though. I'm in on like the difference with uh, Illinois being, uh, I think, a really good team. And I think they're different and more fun now is that is that sad like i didn't like i didn't dislike the kofi era for illinois basketball but it was also like eh, this felt a little outdated and let's see what underwood looks like with a, a faster bunch and he's able to adjust i like that he's able to win with uh very very different personnel grouping so i'm pretty high on what in uh illinois can be um uh, come march as well but right now purdue i think is the favorite in the Big Ten. Um, I think the Big Ten is definitely a more watchable conference yeah. this year. Last year it was kind of sloppy on a lot of nights. Like, you just love Penn of, State. Like, there Will's are a bunch of Rutgers here. games I watched mm-hmm. where I was like, I really should not be watching this. Like, Rutgers I'm really Seton glad is Wisconsin is not winning 500 close games this year like they were a year ago. They're, I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Wisconsin basketball is not fun to watch. I'm mm. sorry. Illinois is more fun to watch this year. Iowa's going to be Iowa. Ohio State looks improved. Indiana's enjoyable. Maryland, I know Maryland got blown out by UCLA, but like Maryland just looks so much more competent and with it compared mm. to last year. And I like that a lot. Like good Maryland makes me more excited about Kevin Willard's a good coach. Yes. And I mean, like Illinois might be 0 2 in the conference right now, but that's not going to last. They're going to be no. in it at the end of the year. So uh, I think that like the Big Ten's probably the second best conference this year. I mean, when you average everything out, like the SEC's got a better top five, but the SEC's, you know, the rest of the conference does not line up, I think, with the Big Ten. Well, speaking of uh, good conferences, on the flippity flop, some bad (laughs) conferences, most notably the A-10, which is an absolute dumpster fire this year. Will, like what is going on with the Atlantic 10? Just how bad is this conference this year? It's shocking, right? I mean... I don't think we thought of these guys as like world beaters at the beginning of the season, but mm-hmm. you know, when you averaged out the preseason ratings, the general expectation, and I thought it was very fair, was that this is a multi-bid conference. And yeah. with the outside chance of getting to three, if they had gotten to three, I mean, that's a historically good season for the Atlantic 10. I think that would have been the first, mm-hmm. that would have been the first three plus bid season um since 2017 2018 which Mm. i mean like that's a good step back in the right direction but instead we're now on pace for this to be the first one bid a10 since 2005 and i mean this is the single most disappointing conference in the sport yeah um i think i i can't remember the exact stat but i think it's 12 of the sorry 13 now because there's 15 teams in the atlantic 10 Mm. 13 of the 15 rank worse in kenpom than they did at the start of the season Everybody is worse than anticipated. Like, I thought George Mason would be a little bit better. I definitely thought Dayton would be much better than what they've been. St. Louis is kind of like, I'm not, I, I still think they're going to be okay, but they're not what we thought they'd be. lost too straight. Yeah, I mean, like, 
I don't know. You're kind of getting into some dangerous territory here when it's like... They're a one-big team. Right now they like, one big you, conference, right? There's no way out of this. Yeah, like UMass, who sucks, by the way. <laughs> UMass is not a good basketball team. Honestly, might be the third best team in the conference. That's, I mean, like, they're, and they are not enjoyable to watch whatsoever. They don't take good shots. They can't hit shots. Nobody can hit shots on them. Every one of their games is going to be like 60 to 54. That's not fun, but they might be the third best team in the A-10 because that's how bad it is. Um, Man. I mean, they're in real danger of falling to, I know this is not stuff like anyone cares about, but like conference and men's, but I mean, they're almost about to fall to 11th in Ken Palm's conference rankings behind Conference USA, and they should be because Conference USA is better and a lot more watchable. I mean, I would rather watch any of UAB, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, or Louisiana Tech over hmm. a single A-10 team right now. Uh, you can make a case for the WAC being better. It's not good. I mean, they're not going to get a second team unless, you know, one of Dayton or St. Louis gets really hot the rest of the way. And I mean, like, it would take something like one of them going 16-2 and two and then losing the A-10 title game for a second team to get in, and that doesn't seem very likely right now. Also, their conference logo sucks. I don't know what this redesign, the idea was <laughs> here, but it. it's terrible. It's a terrible A10 logo. I don't know what we're doing here, but it's not good. I was going to say they had an older one that was a lot better. I like the older the, one. The, the older one where it wasn't in all caps. No. And then there's another one where it's like basically the entire eastern half of the United States is their logo. <laughs> it cuts <laughs> Michigan in half, and then mm-hmm. you get everything from over. That was a pretty good one. But yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. There's, they've got a. They're in real danger of there being a lot of very unwatchable basketball in that conference this year. Mm. Um, speaking of unwatchable, but they win games. Uh, Mississippi State got one of the best defenses in college basketball out of the gate. Uh, they don't plan on losing anytime soon for whatever reason. Ten and zero, eighty fifth in offense in Kimpom, but sixth in defense. Um, Will, explain Mississippi State and their success to me like I'm five. I mean, they're well overdue to lose a game. This is mm-hmm. not sustainable. Like, they're not, like teams aren't going to shoot 28% from three against them forever. Teams aren't going to shoot 39% on twos against them forever. But it also does not matter because this is honestly a pretty cool story. I mean, mm-hmm. they're clearly so much better than they were under Ben Howland. Um, really shocking that when you replace a mid-coach with a good one, they get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Ben. Um, but this is so when you look at it, more or less, this is the team national media thought we were going to get a year ago, right? When mm-hmm. people were putting Mississippi State like, you know, 19th to 29th, roughly in that range. Very physical, very tough. They cannot shoot a basketball. But I mean, it doesn't really matter because they're, again, it's kind of like the Kevin Willard thing at Maryland. You took a team that was kind of moribund but had talent. And they just look so much more with it. Like, they're involved in every aspect of the game. The uh, They played a couple of real sickos games on neutral courts against Marquette and Utah. Both very good teams. Beat both by three points. It didn't score more than 58 in either game. But they won. Um, Chris Jans is just really good at what he does. They Their shot selection is so much better than it was a year ago. They took so many bad mid-range twos last year that I hated watching them play. This year, it's like they can't hit the shots, but the shots are better. Uh, Defense is really good, particularly at the rim. Tolu Smith is going to be a legitimate SEC Player of the Year contender. 
Um, the new wrinkle this year that I would say is different versus last year other than shot selection, because um, they already won the rebounding battle a lot last year because they were so tall, they pressure like crazy on the perimeter. They force a ton of steals. I think they're number one in steal percentage in America right now. I don't know how sustainable that is once they start playing a better schedule because they're 332nd in strength of schedule right now. But even so, like, you beat Marquette, you beat Utah. Akron is a pretty solid win. People don't know much about Akron, but, like, that's a solid MAC team. Um, they're looking like they could be, and I know this is not going to sound impressive, but I promise it is, the sixth best team in the SEC with an outside chance of being top five. And that's good. That's a good thing for year one. I mean, I think preseason they were projected, you know, 10th or thereabouts to be top six year one with, you know, arguably significantly less talent than last year's team. That's a heck of a coaching job by Chris Jans. Um, They're very likely to make the NCAA tournament, you know, probably a five or a six seed, which given the fact that they've made one in the last 13 years, massive accomplishment for them. So are you more impressed with him or Dennis Gates out of the gate? Oh, Jans for sure. Because Mm. uh, I mean, you look at what Mississippi State has done, and I like Missouri is a little above expectation for me, I think. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that Missouri has no good wins. Wichita State is, I'm sorry, not a good win. Wichita State's not a good basketball team. But in the one good era. team, like the one obvious good team they played, they got demolished by. Um, whereas Mississippi State, I mean, like I said, I don't think their offense is good at all, but. They've beaten Marquette and Utah in a neutral court. That's more impressive to me than, you know, beating Wichita. Yeah. So I, I think we're, we'll see how this shakes out at the end of the season because it's a long year again. But, I mean, right now, if you had to vote for a coach of the year, it's probably Chance. He's good. He was a sneaky under-the-radar hire. He has been coaching for a really long time, Iowa guy, but he seems like a good fit. Uh, a lot of success, obviously, at New Mexico State. Um, and, and I think it's like... You know, it's kind of the Murray State thing where, like, mm. everybody succeeds at Murray State. Everybody generally succeeds at New Mexico State. Yeah. But nobody succeeded to the level he did where he was just blowing out the conference year over year. Mm. So that says something. Uh, Mississippi State in good hands there. Um, Arizona State. This is my favorite part of today's podcast. <laughs> well, like, this is going to be fun um, because Arizona State um, won eight straight. Hurley fever is everywhere will how are you how are you parsing through the year of the hurleys um one I hurley really number one in the country fever. the other not, not dan dan is awesome bobby <laughs> um i hate these guys go away um no they're not going away they're, spe- they're like what to. if they play our pod before every game what if that's what it is they just play they uh, will hyped, warren uh, takes every on time. The- if they have to rely on me for trash talk they're down tremendous because Ooh. i I have to imagine that like Jeff Goodman or somebody has probably trash talked Bobby at some point. Mm-hmm. It's got, it has to have happened because I, I think like that's probably likely before me. But mm. um, I'm sure no, Dan I don't has. expect it. I really do not expect this to last. Um, they're pretty darn lucky to be ten and one, and like good for them. But this is kind of the Mississippi State thing. Hmm. They're not going to allow teams to shoot thirty nine percent from two all year. Teams are not going to shoot twenty seven percent from three all year. Um, they're not going to lose the rebounding paddle every night and continue to win games. Uh, and again, these guys lost to Texas Southern literally one month ago. That being said, this is great for them. I think, you know, 
I've been waiting the entire Bobby Hurley tenure for the team that plays up to its potential, or at least near it. And it finally seems like in a year where I was actually less impressed with their like their roster compared to previous years, they're finally there. Like mm-hmm. Frankie Collins is he's still not very good offensively, but he's really rounded into form and drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line. Devin Cambridge looks improved. Warren Washington, who I did not really rate at Nevada, looks awesome as a center for this team. And uh, I really enjoy watching him play. I think he's a cool little piece. Um, Is it just because it sounds like your name in just a different part of the country? It's like a doppelganger for Will Warren. It's just... (laughs) That that would be pretty fun. But no, it's like... I'm a sucker for guys who are just like... They can only really do one or two things well, but they do those one or two things well better than anybody else. And this is just like blocking shots and dunking. That's why I miss Epons. This man cannot hit a free throw. He is 53% Mm -hmm. from the free throw line. He cannot shoot. He is not very mobile, but he can block the heck out of a shot and he can draw fouls and he can rebound. And I love that. He knows his role. Um, I mean, they're in position to where like, again, I really do not believe in these guys as suddenly having turned the corner long-term, but they're in legit position to where like they could be number four in the Pac-12 this year. Like a, a low-end top 40 team, you sneak into the tournament. I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. I, I what think- C would you bet on for them? Like a 10. May, mm. I, but honestly, given their history, I, I feel like the smart thing to do is to be like, they're going to be an 11 seed and they're going to be in the first four. Because I feel mm. like that's what they always do whenever they get in. They're always an 11 seed. They're always in the first four. And they always play like St. John's, some a team with St. in the title. So mm. St. Mary's this year, you guys better up your game in the West Coast Conference or, in, or you're going to be playing Arizona State in March. Uh, and you don't want that. Um but no, I would rate them behind UCLA and Arizona and probably behind Utah. But even so, this is not like a Pac-12 where you're going to be like struggling to get to the top four. Like the opportunities there for them to be pretty good. Like USC doesn't look too hot. Oregon looks kind of eh. Colorado, I really, I mean, like God only knows what you're getting with Colorado night to night. So the opportunity is very much there for uh, Arizona State to finish top four in the Pac-12, which would be a genuine improvement. So I think at that point I would back off on the Hurley hate and, you know, accept that like he's turning the corner, things are getting better and I'm not just hurt because I committed to a preseason opinion and I want to ride that opinion until it's obviously no longer sustainable. I like it. Um, Will, our last non-stat related question uh, for the program today this is something I can't figure out. I've got to hydrate now. I've, I've worn myself out. I haven't talked like this in weeks. <laughs> it's good. <sighs> um, you're doing great, Will. I don't you're know do- how you do this five days a week, man. I, well, it's more like 15 because it's not just like one. Uh, one That's true. You're, you're, but you're like five days a week, four <laughs> hours a day. I yeah. don't know how I could do it. Uh, you know, it, it, when it's a labor of love and you're used to it, it's just one of those things I'm just used to now. Um, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, tea, hot tea is very important and, uh, little things. I, I've never learned how much you have to take care of your voice until, uh, I was doing this on the daily because, mm. uh, you can lose your voice very easily. And it's, uh, it's one of those things. Um, but one of those things that I don't understand well, Creighton's not very good. Creighton, we thought coming into the year, we're going to be probably like they, they weren't our biggies favorites. But we thought they could win the Big East. Please no one go back and find out who I said was the Big East favorite. 
Did you? You didn't say UConn. Who? I said on. Villanova. Please, you did no say one Vill- clip this. Go on, please. Um, <laughs> don't go check the tapes. Um, are you out on Creighton? Are you selling all of your Creighton stock, or do you think this can get figured out? Come so what's really play? weird? Um, I think I was in the position of being like relatively low on them in preseason. Like, but you love Baylor Scheiderman. I love Baylor Scheiderman, but I hated their defense, and I mm-hmm. thought like. They're going to be about the twentieth best team when they're you know what they AP number eight nine I think I think so they were top ten yeah they they were very, they got up to six I think um, so I felt like I was in the position of being pretty low in them and now December fifteenth as we record I kind of want to buy back in I, oh. I mean I I feel like they're still twentieth to twenty fifth like they've just been unlucky they've experienced both sides of shooting variance so. Um, they got off to a white hot start from the field. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, so it, whenever you play Texas Tech and Arkansas back to back and you shoot almost 50% from deep, mm-hmm. uh, so that's just like a red flag of like, you can, you, that's not going to work the rest of the way. Like either that or you're the 96 Bulls. So I thought that obscured some deficiencies, uh, such as like they're not really able to get to the line very well. They're a poor offensive rebounding team. So if they miss a shot they're not likely to get second chance points somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and their defense has not been very impressive yet. But on the flip side, I don't think they're as bad as the five straight losses have shown. I think the truth is just likely somewhere in between. Um, one in four in games decided by six points or less, that's not very sustainable given Greg McDermott's history. Um, Baylor Shireman needs to be more efficient on twos. He's kind of been underwhelming there so far. They need literally any bench player to step up to kind of right the ship. Um, they have nine guys they're playing. Only five of them, the starters, are any good. Uh, they need a six player to step up so they can stop losing the games whenever they have to, you know, give their starters a rest. Um, but it, it is kind of weird being in this position because I was like, they're not the best team in the Big East, but right now I still think like, this is probably by year's end, like, you know, I don't know, number 24. That sounds about right in Ken Palm. And if you're number 24, that's not bad. Like, you're still going to enter, like, as having a decent chance to reach the second weekend. So, hmm. I don't know. I'm buy- I'm still buying low. I mean, you want to do this. You can't I, quit I, them. You can't quit Creighton. I really can't. They're very fun when they're rolling. But... I think I've got this backed up in some aspects. So my man's shot quality, Simon Grisberg, mm-hmm. I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, his system ranks Creighton sixth right now. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him about it this week because I saw this come up on our sheet. And I was like, well, I want to reach out to him and see what he thinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, like, Creighton's been extraordinarily unlucky in three-point shooting on both sides of the ball. Like, he's mm-hmm. got, you know, Creighton as being about 3 to 4% better on offense and 3 to 4% better on defense. And... I mean, when you think about that and you think about these losses they've had, it's very funny that Nebraska of all teams is the only like non-close loss, but it's like Arizona two points, Texas five, BYU three, Arizona State two. And these are games where, you know, like Texas, for example, Creighton, which we know is a good shooting team, Creighton is not going to shoot 15% against Texas if they played that game a second time, especially right now. Um, Arizona State, what we know about Arizona State they're not going to shoot 46% from deep if they played that game a second time. It's, I mean, like, right there, those are two games that could have easily flipped on a more normal shooting variance night. So, I mean, and how much, what would you think of Creighton if they were 8-3 and three 
And it's like, yeah, they lost to Nebraska and BYU, but they beat Texas and Arizona State. I feel like we'd be having a different discussion if like they didn't have those things happen. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm buying low on them. I do not buy low on them to the extent that my man Simon does at number six. But I, I think like 20th to 25th, I, I think they're still going to be fine. Okay. I like it. I like it. Will, we'll end here. Stats that have caught your eye in the last week in college basketball, sir. We're going to end on a Big East team, and it's the mm. obvious one, UConn. Yeah. I think we're all in awe of them right now and their extremely impressive start because uh, mm-hmm. they are they have come in well above expectation. I think you know I think preseason Ken had them top twenty five maybe top twenty, but I mean they're number one in climbing. I mean they're winning which, the title based on the last two times UConn has been undefeated in doing this. If it, that's any indication, go ahead and buy the UConn's winning the title stock right now. The, uh, I hate to say it. There's a guy uh, yes, or earlier this week on Twitter, my man Morrison Crying, who I love. Mm-hmm. Great. One of the few tolerable Kentucky fans online because mm. uh, he knows more about basketball than most. Mm. Um, brought the ire of UConn fans by saying, people don't remember how bad it is online when UConn's good. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would debate that because I think that's in particular, no escalators, amazing follow for mm. UConn basketball. Very funny guys. Um but that's not the point. They have outscored opponents by 292 points so far this season, uh, which you would think is best in the nation. Yeah. It is not. Second best. Do you know who has outscored opponent, opponents by the most? Anybody. Um, anybody right now. Um, I will spoil what conference? it by saying it is not somebody in the Ken Palm top 50. Uh, tell me which conference. Sunbelt. Oh, um, let me think. Uh, Louisiana? It's James Madison. James Madison. James Madison is plus 316 on the season. Hmm. All this comes with a caveat. UConn has played 11 D1 teams. GMU has played eight. And they beat those three non-D1 teams by 194 combined points. (laughs) But even so, I thought it was worth highlighting because James Madison, quietly a really impressive start to the year. So they're eight and three. 76 and Ken Palm. They've never finished a season higher than 91st. They are the odds on Sunbelt favorite right now, shooting 40% from deep. I don't know how sustainable that is, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing some really good things. They, you know, almost beat Virginia on the road last week, lost by five. Mm-hmm. Uh, really gave North Carolina a good run on the road before going down late. I've been really impressed with them so far. And I mean, there's a real chance they could win 15 games in the Sunbelt. They could enter March as like a strong 12 seed. I'm excited to see what those guys do the rest of the way. I like it. I like it. Will, what can the good folks look out from you over at statsbywill.substack.com? Go subscribe today. If you are not already a subscriber, what are you doing? Why are you listening to this podcast if you have not already? Yeah, are uh, you a baby? Yeah. Are, Are you a child if you haven't subscribed? Are you 18? I think you need to level up and grow up. I'm kidding. Um, Shout out to Nathan Fielder. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out. Okay. Before we get into that, did you see that he, I think GQ has like 30 men of the year now, Mm. but he got one of the men of the year and core from episode one of the rehearsal did the interview. Really? Yeah. And it is awesome. Okay. Uh, Because they spend the first third of the interview trying to teach (laughs) core how to log into zoom because he doesn't know how to. Um, But no, at the, the Substack, 
uh, tomorrow when this post, aka Friday, you'll get an Arizona-Tennessee preview, the number mm. one game of this amazing, amazing Saturday of college hoops per Ken Pomeroy. Mm. Uh, next Monday, we'll have an in-depth recap of the game. I'm going to deviate from what I normally do and actually analyze like tactics, what Arizona does, how Tennessee counters, and vice versa. Because I think this is a really interesting tactical matchup too. Um, mm. And then... Uh, next week, some you know we'll get into some more UT stuff. But down the line, I think as we get closer to conference play, we definitely want to do some stuff on where each conference stands uh, before things really get going, and then a national landscape for both men's and women's hoops. Because uh, I would like to give more of my time to women's hoops this year. I think I've done a terrible job of that in the past, um, and want to check on the national landscape there. I know like. You know, uh, let's not you know <laughs> cut corners here. The women's game is a little more decided at the top than the men's one is right now, mm. but I still think there's some intrigue there. And like you know, just how good is South Carolina? Just how good is Stanford, etc. So mm. we'll be exploring that down the road. I did what I think is a very good piece on Utah women's hoops this week. That is free for all. So there you go. I like it. I like it. So that's I will uh, Murderville tonight. Uh, the wife and I are going to watch that. The Santa special. Have you? Did you know what, the, what is the Santa? Murderville with Will Arnett. The... No, I, I've, I've only seen Lego Masters with Will Arnett um, and obviously you, rested. Him, I but... know for certain you would love Murderville. I know Murderville. for certain. And then Jason Bateman's uh, the guest star tonight for the, the holiday special. So we are quite excited to laugh out loud a lot. Um, okay. Basically, All he right. has to respond to whatever uh, they do and whatever story they create and solving the murder and who did it. Like it's, it's an incredible sketch show. Um, oh, I love this thing. I'm reading yes. the Wikipedia right now. You, this is. I cannot believe you haven't watched this yet because this is one thousand percent. I've never heard of this. No, it's right up your alley. Will you need to okay. report back next week in the pod? Uh, check some of these out and let me know. <laughs> what you I'll think. add it to the watch list. Yeah, it's so worth your time. It's so funny. All right, I I will for sure watch that. It looks awesome. Yes, stuff. I will always a pleasure. Thank you, as always, my friend, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program, and if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.